When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to Listen Up and uh, the morning and the afternoon after. All right. You got up this morning. You went through your day. Now we're getting ready for the evening and you're still thinking about, gee, how did the Kings lose that game last night? That atmosphere, everything at stake. Team played the night before in Minnesota. No Carl Anthony Towns. And you lose 119 to 115. And you don't clinch a playoff spot. You will clinch a playoff spot. You're going to be at home in the first round of the playoffs, but that would have gone down as uh, the greatest night in the history of the Golden One Center to date. And instead, you had 18,000 people walking out of the arena, walking out of the arena just in disbelief, in shock. Now, I've done a lot of rants on this, and I just am blown away at what's going on up in Portland. The Portland Trailblazers are an example of what's wrong with the NBA. Plain and simple. They're an example of what's wrong with the NBA. They have completely 100% quit on the season. That's right. They have quit. All right. You ready for their injury report for tomorrow? Out. Okay. Lillard. Grant. Nurkic. Simons. Winslow. Badgie, Doubtful, Reddish, Watford. You ready for the reasons why? Lillard, calf tightness. Nurkic, knee soreness. Simons, foot soreness. Grant, quad contusion. Reddish, lumbar soreness. I'll just... It makes me sick. It's a, it's example exhibit A of what's wrong with the NBA. The Portland Trailblazers should be ashamed of themselves. It's embarrassing. You know, they're, they're only going to have a 25% chance of getting the top pick in the NBA draft if they end up with one of the four worst records in the NBA. But they're doing everything they can to make sure that they are one of the four worst teams in the NBA. What a disgrace. What a disgrace. All right. Let's talk about what happened last night. Let's talk about what else you want to get involved with right here. Hit your hand icon, raise your hand, and we will do it. All right. Update. Kevin Durant. He's going to play tomorrow night. He's coming back against Minnesota. Been out three weeks with an ankle sprain. So keep your eye now on the Phoenix Suns as they head into the stretch of this season and the playoffs and a possible, although unlikely, but possible first-round matchup with Sacramento. Currently, the Kings would play Minnesota if that's the way things ended today. Phoenix is fourth, 
a half game in front of the Clippers. And Minnesota is 39-37. They are only two games back of a fourth seed in the loss column. And they are one loss behind the fifth seed LA Clippers. The Warriors are seventh at 39 and 37. New Orleans has 37 losses. The Lakers ninth and Oklahoma City 10th have 38 losses. And the gutless, pathetic Portland Trailblazers have 43 losses. And they have no chance, okay? No chance of finishing with one of the four worst records. They could be fifth. They're just not, there's not enough games left. All right? San Antonio with 56 losses. Houston with 58 losses. Detroit with 59 losses. Charlotte with 51. It's a joke what's going on in Portland. It's an absolute joke. All right. Hit me up. Raise your hand icon. And we will put you right up on screen. The Kings are going to the playoffs. They didn't clinch last night. But they're going. It just would have been would have been one of those nights that people could have rejoiced and celebrated. And, but it's typical Kings. Kings don't do anything easily. I did a rant on this today. You know, the Kings are going to have home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. But they're better on the road than they are at home. So I don't know if that's an advantage to be at home for Sacramento. I mean, they're 23-16 and 16 at home and 22-14 and 14 on the road. 23 and 16 at home is not very good. It's just not. Not good at all. That's got to be a big concern heading into the postseason. Playing at home is not an advantage for Sacramento. All right, let's get our leadoff man going, and that is Eli. Eli, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, Grant. I'm good. How are you? Good. Good. I was at the game last night, and yes, definitely very, very disappointing. So... Yeah, I don't know really what else to say beyond that. It was uh, we were expecting the big celebration, or at least one of the other two teams to lose, and that didn't happen. So, yeah, just disappointing overall. And it yeah. is what it is. But they're still going to make the playoffs. So, I guess we'll just have that to look forward to. But certainly, everybody was expecting them to win last night. Yep, and the table was set perfectly. You had a team playing the night before, but the Timberwolves are a difficult matchup for Sacramento, and mm-hmm. you know that's a potential first round series. And Minnesota would feel very confident if they were to get Sacramento in the first round of the playoffs. They won both games in Sacramento this year, and they were shorthanded for both the games. I think I saw that they were the only team to beat the Kings three times this season. I believe that's accurate. Yes, that is correct. Okay, so now who do we rather play, the Warriors or the Timberwolves? (laughs) Yeah, well, the Warriors could end up being another team that beat the Kings three times. If they beat them next week, that will be three wins because they beat them twice in San Francisco in the first couple of weeks of the season. But I almost throw those games out the window because, you know, both these teams, the Warriors and the Kings, particularly Sacramento, much different than in November So I, I, and October. I actually don't even really count those games. But mm-hmm. that the Warriors have an opportunity to do that as well. Yeah, the one thing I didn't understand last night was why Alex Len got so much playing time and Metu didn't play at all, and I don't believe Holmes played at all either. That was bewildering to me. I, I just think Alex Len is not just, a very good player. Just Mike Brown feeling that that was the best 
way to go based on matchups. So that's just purely coaches and how they feel about matchups. So I didn't really read too much into it, but a lot of times, you know, you'll see a player play that you don't expect to see mm-hmm. on the floor. And it's strictly because of particular matchups. Okay. I understand well, where you're coming from. Yeah. Unfortunately that uh, clearly didn't work out very well, but yeah, that and the three point shooting. I mean, if they had just gone, you know, seven of 26 instead of five of 26 or whatever it was, that would have been the difference in the game. But I just, it's unbelievable that they, they didn't deserve to win the game. They didn't deserve yeah. to win the game. You know, the Minnesota Timberwolves had 33 assists and eight turnovers. Tells me the Kings defense again uh, was not there. They were not forcing they were not getting their hand on balls. They weren't They weren't doing enough to win the game last night. Plain and simple, they just weren't. Yeah, agreed. Well, I guess the Kings can still clinch tonight if uh, the Warriors lose, I believe. is. Uh, let I, me, let me, yeah, but that, the, you know, you, again, the Kings had an opportunity to give their fans a gift last right. night to reward the fans, and they, they didn't do it. And um, I don't want to say the Kings let their fans down, but the point is, the Kings at home are, are not a sure bet. Okay, let me ask you, how would you grade the atmosphere at the arena last night? Um, well, certainly vibes of the uh, early to mid-2000s. I think uh, maybe not quite there, but pretty close. And obviously okay. very different at the beginning part of the game than you know towards the end when they're about to lose. But uh, yeah, the, the beginning, it was impressive. The opening lineup, um, you know, they had the special effects and some of the flames on the floor or whatever they used to do. I think I haven't seen that in a long time. So it's definitely getting close to that mid-2000s vibe. Yeah, well, uh, the big difference between the mid-2000s vibe and this vibe is those teams very rarely lost at home. This team loses at home on a regular basis. That's the big difference. Yeah, that's true. I, I didn't even think about that. Back then, you were, you were almost guaranteed to go to a, uh, a King's win if you were to go to a, a to Arco Arena. Yep. So fair yep. enough. Hopefully, very true. we can get that back one day. All right. Well, thanks, Dan. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Take care. Yep. Yeah, I don't... There's no other way to chalk it up last night. That was awful. I mean, it was awful. I mean, after all of the years of suffering for the Sacramento Kings fans and for the players, to not win that game last night was a big-time letdown to the fans. Big time. And they better figure out how to play better at home. Because if they don't play better at home, they're not going to win a playoff series. I know they're really good on the road. I get that. But, you know, in the playoffs, it's a different animal. They better figure out what they're doing wrong at home. Too many losses at home. Too many losses at home. To both good teams and bad teams. You know, losing to the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics at home are one thing. That's fine. Okay? But they lost to Charlotte at home. Charlotte's 25-51 and 51 this year. All right? They lost to Washington at home. 33-42. and 42. Okay? I mean, too many bad losses at home. Too many. I mean, you look at all the records in the West. Denver, 32 and 6 at home. Number one seed. Memphis, number two seed, 32 and 5 at home. Phoenix, fourth seed, 24 and 12 at home. All right. The Warriors, 30 and 8 at home. New Orleans, eighth, 24 and 13 at home. Sacramento, third, 23 and 16 at home. Now, I'm well aware the Kings have the best road record of all those teams. I get that. But you're going to have home court advantage in the first round. You better do something with it. You better do something with it. Because right now, this team at home 
is a little bit better than average. Okay. They're average to good at home. They're not anything above good at home. On the road, they're very good. Not very good at home. Average to good. 23 and 16 is a bad home record for a team that's going to be hosting a first-round playoff series. Look at the top four teams in the East at home. Milwaukee, 30 and 7. Boston at home, 28 and 9. Philly at home, 26 and 11. Cleveland at home, 30 and 8. I mean, come on now. You know, and it's not like you're not filled to the rafters every night with the place jumping off the hook. You know, it's not like you're playing in, you know, a half-empty arena. So the crowd's bringing it every night. The crowd's doing their part. And yet this team is having trouble winning at home. Go figure. How, how do you figure that? How, well, what's the reason for that? I mean, come on now. All right. What do you want to talk about? Hit your hand icon and we'll get you right on. Let's get to Waggus right here on Listen Up. Hey, Waggus. Grant, yeah. So to answer your question, obviously they don't play defense. And I don't think this team has taken the next step yet. And and I know, you know, I've, I've called in before and you know, I, I, I guess at the beginning of the year, remember when I was telling you we'll be really lucky if we win 41, that'd be great. Yeah, and, yeah, I remember. And, and and now we've exceeded that. So, so yeah, there's a part of me that wants to stop and be grateful. But I think that this team needs to take that second step, and that's going to come maybe in offseason moves. Maybe they, they have to start playing defense if they want to be a serious contender. Um, wouldn't you agree with that? Yes, I, I do agree with that. Their inability and, to play defense, even for short stretches when they have to, is very alarming. So, yes, I agree with that. Yeah, and, and that's like the only really thing. So I, I, I think my next question to you is that what type – because obviously nothing can happen right now. Because what type of moves that are probably going to have to happen here in the offseason um, that are going to make that? Or, or is that even You know, well, I, guess, I, I think yeah. it's way premature to be even premature. getting into this yeah. discussion – on the last few days of March when the team is going to the playoffs. And I think Waggus playoff basketball is a little bit different than the regular season. Let's see what transpires in the postseason, And then based on that, figure out what you need to do in the off season to get better. I think right now it's premature. I don't think we should be talking about moves that need to be made for this team when they're getting ready to play in the playoffs for the first time in 2006. There'll be a lot of time to go over that. There'll be a lot of time to ponder what you can do, where you're at with the cap, who you're going to keep, right. who you're not going to keep. Are you going to have Harrison Barnes back on the team? You know, there, there, there's time for that. Right now, honestly, it's really not that time. Yeah, and, and you know, last night is probably one of the best segments I've seen on your post game because I think that you were – just the way you were talking, you were kind of sad for the fans because it was a letdown, yep. right? It was like we had it set up, yep. ready to go. And I really felt like we should have won that game. And, you know, we only lost by, you know, I, I think it was less than 10 points. But, yeah. So I, felt, I felt awful I, for the fans. I felt like the team let the yeah. fans down, quite frankly. And I, I hate to criticize this year's team because they well exceeded anyone's expectations. But I think every member of the Kings let the fans down last night. There was absolutely no way in the world the Kings should have lost that game last night. That was this team's opportunity to thank their fans, reward their fans, 
and let them know, hey, you know what? We're not going to let you down. Well, they let the fans down last night. Plain and simple, they let the fans down last night. Yeah, yeah, and it was just uh, you know, a bittersweet moment. But at least, you know, for this season, we'll take the playoffs. And you're right. I think it's just better to just sit back, enjoy the playoffs, and see how they play. And then we'll see how it goes. But I, I, I look forward to, you know, you know, Grant, yesterday, because I go back and forth with Twitter. So initially, when you started the postgame show, you had like 8,000 people viewing. So is that right. like your total number? Or is that was that just yep. the beginning? That was the beginning. Um, the total number last night on Twitter, I'll look it up while we're talking, but we yeah. get a lot of people on uh, Periscope because I have, you know, what, 47,000 followers on social media. I have 40, 40, I don't know, over 47,000. So I get a lot of people watching on uh, Periscope. So I'm very proud of that. Uh, I'm proud of what we've done, you know, with Ryan and I do these shows it's blown me away how many people and i'm really hoping all right so i had on twitter for the post game i had eleven thousand uh two hundred people watching now i will say this had the kings won last night i believe that that number would have been a minimum a minimum of twenty thousand. what we have found is when the kings lose we we have about 50 percent of our audience compared to a win Fans don't want to, they just, they're done. Like a lot of fans, I don't even want to hear it. It's I'm bothered by it. I want to get it out of my system. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hear Grant Ryan, you know? So once the Kings get into the playoffs, I'm really thinking we're going to do, and I really mean this. I think we're going to do 40,000 plus on our, on our post game shows. So, so I, I only, you know, initially started following it on YouTube, but then, you know, I go back and forth with Twitter now. And uh, and that's where I saw the real numbers because YouTube you get views, but you, but I think you get higher views on Twitter. And I don't even know about Periscope, so they get forty seven thousand. Well, Periscope is Periscope is Twitter. That's okay. that's the that's the yeah that's the that's basically Periscope. So okay, YouTube you. YouTube views are growing. They're getting more and more every day, but it, nothing like I get on Periscope. Okay, yeah. So so that tells me that. Just as many people that are in the arena tune into the post-game show, you, you would say. That's correct. Yes, that's correct. I, and I did not our, know our largest number. Our, yeah. our largest number that I've had for a post-game show this year was 33,000. And that was after a Lakers win. Okay? Yep. I believe I believe if I'm getting – and I also had 30,000 for uh, another Lakers game and 30,000 for a Suns game. I believe that when the playoffs begin, we will eclipse 40,000 total viewers on all of my platforms. Yeah, and, and I think and, and I think you, you, you could might hit 50 if it is the Lakers or the Golden State um, Warriors that I agree. we're playing against in the first round. Uh, I, I, I agree. obviously would love, this is just me, I, I would love to play the Lakers so we can beat them. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. so I can have that my childhood great. dreams back. <laughs> Yeah, but, um, but 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 let me ask yeah. you this: What would happen if you played the Lakers in the first round and lost? Oh, Grand, why'd you gotta ask that? <laughs> well, because was, because you know what, you know what. So just I'll to give you this. some numbers, just to okay. give you just to give you some numbers, when the Kings beat the Suns uh, in Phoenix three weeks ago, yeah. I had four and a half, four point five thousand people on YouTube. 
and 25, well, 28,000 on Periscope. So that gives you an idea. But anyway, yeah, if the Kings were to play the Lakers and lose, that would go under the category of disaster. Yeah, but this time around, Grant, I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to be, you know, look on the bright side here. At least I can come on the next day and talk to you. Because when I was little, I couldn't do that. So at least I have some positive. Right? <laughs> there you go. I like that. <laughs> at least I have some I like positive. That. But but yeah, yeah. but please, we cannot lose to the Lakers. So uh, I'll lose to the Warriors yeah. any day, but we just got to beat the Lakers. So we'll uh, see yeah, what let's, happens. Let's, yeah. I, would rather, I would rather not see the Lakers in the first round because I don't want to see the obnoxious Lakers fans in the arena, and I wouldn't even want to contemplate losing to the Lakers and how painful that would be for the loyal great Kings fans. I wouldn't even want to, I wouldn't even want to be there for them. I just, that to me is a matchup. I would rather not even, not even stress over if I, if I'm a fan, I don't want to see the Lakers. I just don't. So, so last question, because I did not follow your radio show back in 2002. Uh, Cause I was, you know, little and I, I really didn't know you had a show back then, but how was the atmosphere after game seven on your radio show? Uh, it was literally like uh, the entire community was dead and or had died, and everyone was either dead or mourning the death. That's what it was like. It was like a uh, citywide funeral. That's what it was like for 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 weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. I had never experienced anything like it. And then after Game Six, I guess. Were, were there callers calling in and saying that we got robbed? or? Of course. Or, Everybody okay. was saying that. Not only callers, all the national media was saying that. Na- national media that had no rooting interest for Sacramento were all saying that it was the worst officiated game uh, in NBA history. And to this day, it's still considered the worst officiated game in NBA history. But the attitude, though, after game six, before game seven was, well, that's what you work all year for. That's why you had the best record in the NBA, so you can get that extra game at home. And what happened? The Kings missed 14 free throws at home, and they lost in overtime. Yeah. And the most intense radio show that I ever listened to of yours was uh, uh, the Cousins trade in 2017. Uh, which one was more intense, that or Chris Webber's trade? Uh, well, the most intense radio show I ever had was the day after the Maloofs officially announced that they had sold the team to a group in Seattle. That was the most intense radio show that I've ever experienced. And that was pretty much an everyday occurrence. But now the Weber trade was not as intense uh, as the Cousins trade was. Okay. Um, as far as far as radio goes, as far as my radio show goes. Yeah, because you know, that show was pretty intense, and, and and you were like, you know, I'm hanging up the phone because people were just not, people were just, you, you know how they were. So, yeah, you know, again, fans, and that's what makes fans fans. You know, I, yeah. I like the passion in the fans, even though we get contentious on the show sometimes. That to me is what sports is all about. I mean, you know, people didn't care; they wouldn't listen and they wouldn't call. So I always appreciated even the fans that were, you know, pissed off. And see, here's the problem with fans and me, okay? Yeah. Fans use me very often to get pissed at and use me as the dartboard yeah. because they couldn't speak to anybody within the Kings organization. They couldn't call up and talk to Vladi or Jeff Petrie. They couldn't call up and talk to Rick Adaman. They couldn't call up and talk to Vladi or Chris. 
So what they did is they used me as their sounding board, all right? And they yeah. would take it out on me. And I, I understood that, but it also created a, a very animated talk show because I'm like, you know, it's not my fault. I didn't make the trade. You know, I would yeah. go on the air and go, hey, I, you know, you, why, why are you yelling at me for? I didn't make the trade. I would try to explain that I would have made the trade. I was very open. I would have traded DeMarcus Cousins years before that. I was very open about that. So people knew how I felt. But yet if they, 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 they were making it sound like it was my fault. Those that were on his side, they would call up and make it sound like it was my fault that the Kings traded him. I didn't have anything to do with the trade. I don't run the team. I'm the I'm the I have nothing to do with the trades. But yet, you know, again, fans, they are so emotional that they would get pissed at me for stuff that the team did, thinking that I was behind it. I had nothing to do with it. That's not, you know, yeah. you understand? Uh, no, no, I, I get it. But you know how people, you know, people are people. But that's that's why intense. And, and I remember you in saying it, and, and we all knew it. And I was at that game, that Warriors game that earlier in the month, uh, I think this was on Saturday before Super Bowl Sunday, me and my friend were there. And that game went into overtime, and that's when DeMarcus destroyed the Warriors. And then as he's going off the court, he, you know, did the two flips, right? And then after that, yep. I think he got yep. suspended. And then the team played really well yep. together, and I think Vladi was already done. And when he saw that, he said bye-bye. And and you know what? It turned out to be a really good trade for us because he got hurt later on in the year, right? Or next year. Yep. And uh, yep, we, we still ended up getting Buddy Heald, which was exciting for a while, so. Well, you wouldn't have Deer and Fox either. Yeah, Deer and Fox either. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, no, it's yeah, it's it just you know that's probably because I was because I was driving from work back from Reno, and I remember it was snowing a lot, and and I'd listen to your show, and you came on like an hour early. I think you came on at like two that day, and uh, and it was intense. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you're right. There was a lot of people that were blaming you, and then you said, "Okay, I'm just hanging up." If anybody gets disrespectful, I'm just hanging up. So, well, you know what? <laughs> After a while, it's like I'm okay with fans going crazy, but yeah. then when they but but when they cross the line, yeah, okay, then I hang up on them. I'm okay with you know debate. I'm okay with discussion, but when they get personal. And cross yeah. the line, then I'm done with the conversation. Yeah, and and that's something I never understood. Like, you know, you, you just have a job to do. <laughs> you're just you're just calling you how it is. So it, it is what it well, is. Well, I'm an opinionated. Uh, I'm I'm opinionated, and no disrespect to anyone else in Sacramento, but there are there are very very few people on the Sacramento airwaves that are opinionated. They're vanilla. It's vanilla sports yeah. talk in Sacramento. The, the the whole market of Sacramento is nothing but cupcakes on the air with the exception yeah. of maybe one individual. And so I've never understood that. That's not the environment I grew up on. That's not what I believe sports talk should be. I believe sports talk should be opinionated in your face. Let's get at it and let's hear from you. You know, I, I've been very honest about this. You know, they had people running cage to cage that didn't have – they didn't even know what a football was or basketball. They couldn't tell you the rules of the sport. They couldn't tell you anything. And they would hire these stupid consultants who knew nothing about about Sacramento sports, knew nothing about anything, but they yep. got a paycheck. And they would try to tell me how to do my radio show. Yep. And I would say, don't tell me how to do my radio show. I said, not only do I do local radio, I do national radio all over North America. Okay, I said, I have ratings that prove what I do work. And oh, by the way, you're making more money on my show than any other day part on the station. Yep. So go worry. about. And I didn't say this, but I'm thinking, go worry about the other day parts and leave me alone. Oh, you take too many phone calls. 
you know, you need to stop taking so many phone calls. And I would say, hey, and this, I did tell them. I go, let me explain something to you. The day that I stop being able to talk to my fans is the day that I don't do this job anymore. Yep. And they would, yep. they, they would go, well, you need, to, you need to stop taking so many calls. And I would say to the people that were, I would say the day that I stop taking phone calls is the day that I don't work here anymore. And then they would move on and go to something else. Because I would just tell them, if I can't talk to the fans, then I'm not doing my show. So don't tell me that I take too many phone calls. Okay? You know, and, and I would say, look at your revenue that you bring in from my show. Don't tell me how to do my show. And I, I, I don't normally like talk that way to my superiors. But in this right. case, I knew, I, I knew I was right. And I would say, I'm telling you right now, don't tell me how to do my show. If you tell me how to do my show... If you do not allow me to take phone calls, then I'm not working here anymore. Yeah, and you know, I I think it's better because you can have an inter an interactive platform with the fans, and that's what makes the show fun and exciting. Even if you do get some crazies in there, because you are gonna well, but 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 you time. know what? The crazies, the crazies. Whenever I went out in public, every yep. single day I went out in public. I would yep. have people come up to me. Oh my God, Grant! It was so great when you called. Yep. When you when Stanley <laughs> called us, God, it was so great. What was that guy from 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 Rockland? What was his name, yep. Ricky? And you just killed him yep. over the air. And they go, Oh, I love that. And then the guy, you know, then the one guy goes, you know, then every day it was like that. Nobody ever called. Hey, Grant, that was a fabulous interview you had with Charles Barkley. Or hey, Grant, that was a fabulous interview. They yep. would always go, Man, I just love the way you call. You told off that guy. And, you know, the, oh, and you know what else? Here's the other thing that was such a hypocrisy about that station. They would tell me, you know, what to do and what not to do. Well, they wouldn't tell me what to do and what to not to do, but they promoted me, okay? My promos on the radio were always yep. the same thing. It was always yep. me destroying a caller on the air and yep. me being in your face. That's how they yep. promoted me over the radio station. You can't have it both ways. Yeah, no, I get it. And, and you know, it's funny now that you say opinionated, you know, Charles Barkley, you know, you know, be, be the, one of the reasons why I love watching him because he's so honest and, he, and he's such a straightforward guy. He threw his friend, Michael Jordan, you know, underneath yep. the bus for his, I mean, could you imagine anybody? I mean, I can't even, you know, so, but you know, I, I just feel but like, no, but you, you know, see, but you see the difference guy. is he didn't throw him under the bus. He, didn't he, know was about, you know, yeah. he was telling the truth. He was no. He was telling the truth based on an opinion, based on his expert yeah. opinion. He was telling the truth, and so if you as a, a, I believe you have a responsibility. Yep. When you are on the air and you have a microphone in front of you, not there. There are too many people that are in our profession that don't understand that responsibility. I always relish the responsibility, and I also understood that there comes a degree of power with it. And a, and a degree of obligation. And my obligation was to always try to be true. Don't ever, ever go on the air and say something that's not true knowingly. I never did that. I never went on the air and said something knowingly false. I wouldn't do that. I, I couldn't sleep at night. And I always felt that I owed the fans the truth and that I needed to speak from my heart based on how I was feeling, because I always considered myself, and I still to this day do, nothing more than a fan who has a voice, okay? I'm just like you and everyone else who watches all the games, who, who gets into it. You know, I watch every football game, every Sunday. Yeah. I don't miss any games, and I'm just a fan that wants to go on the air the next day 
and talk about it. So I never really put myself, well, gee, I'm better than you. No, I'm just, I'm, I may have a different opinion than you, but we all are sports fans. I've also found that the vast majority of sports fans, and I don't say this to be condescending, I say it because it's true, have no idea what's going on with the team. I mean, that is I would true. say that that is true. It is. Of course it is. Yeah, I, it is true. You know how yeah. many times, you know how many times I would go on the air and argue with callers. Yeah. Okay. And then they would say, I, they would say, you don't know what you're talking about. And I would laugh because I said, I know everything that I was talking about. And I say this, nobody, nobody. Okay. Not one person in all of Sacramento knew more about what was going on with the team than I did. Nobody. Okay, nobody in the media knew more about what was going on with the Sacramento Kings than I did. I was with the owners. I was with the players. I was with the coaches. I was with management. I heard everything. I saw everything. I was told everything. I knew everything that was going on. So when I went on the radio every day and spoke about what was going on with the team, it was based on knowledge. Okay, it wasn't based on some guess. Fans would call up and try to tell me that I was wrong and tell me what was going on. And I used to laugh. I would say, you know, would you ever walk into my house and tell me what was going on with my kids and my family? Like you really know, like, do you really know what's going on in your neighbor's house? You may think you know what's going on in your neighbor's house. Do you really know what's going on and the people that live across the street? Well, you may have them over or socialize. You may have barbecues with them. You may think that you are very close with them, but you don't really know what's going on in their house when their doors close. Okay, you don't know what it's like at midnight. You don't know what it's like at seven in the morning. You don't know what it's like. You don't know if their kids are getting in trouble in certain ways. You don't, yep. I mean, I always used to say, you know your house better than anybody else. The Kings were my house for 32 years. I knew every single thing that was going on in that organization. And fans yeah. just never would wanna accept that. Yeah, and, and, you know, the other day I got surprised because you told me that you and DeMarcus had had some good conversations even off radio, and I, I didn't know Oh, that. my God. Yeah. Oh, we had, we had I, many good conversations. I, you know how many times I – do you know how many times I tried to help that guy? Do you know how many times I uh, called him to the side and said, hey, listen, like, for instance, he came in and did a show in, in my studio one day, yeah. and he's eating those uh, sour patches, is, you know, yep. the, the – and and he's got him in this, you know, the 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 the, ba- the bag that it comes in. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm on the radio with him, and he's eating these damn candies, and he's also ruffling the plastic that the candy comes in. And it's when you do that, it sounds like flames in the background of a campfire. All right, that's what it sounds like. So during the first break, I go, Demarcus, I go, listen, you can't be eating when you're on the food, and you can't be ruffling the paper. All right. You don't want to you can't have food in your mouth because you sound like an idiot. That's what I told her. Then 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 I'm doing an interview with him after he got suspended. One of his many suspensions. I'm in Oklahoma City and they go, listen, we would like you to interview DeMarcus so we can play a soundbite during the game. He wants to apologize. I said, "Okay." Okay. Okay. so he comes out. No one's around. It's just me and the cameraman. Nobody's in the arena. No one's even warming up on the floor yet. That's how early it was. So I, I, I do the interview and I, I stop and I, I, I go, come here for a minute. And I walk away because I didn't even want the cameraman to hear this because I don't want to embarrass him. Yeah, I go, yeah. I go, you need to do this again. And I said, I'm going to give you some advice. I want you to speak as if you're talking to a person 
that's standing five yards behind me. He goes, what do you mean? I go, make believe that you're speaking to somebody that is standing five yards behind me so that they can hear what you're saying. He said, okay, I got it. I did the next, I did the interview again. Right. He says, how was that? I go, much, much better. He goes, okay, I got it. He said, thank you. I said, no problem. He turned around and walked up. So we had, you know, many, many positive interactions, but we also had many negative interactions. And he knew that I wasn't going to put up with his bullshit. And he knew that I was going to call him out. And he knew that I wasn't going to back down from him because I do not accept disrespectfulness. Okay. I don't care if you don't like me. I don't care. I don't care if you don't like my show. I don't care about any of that, but I'm not going to accept you being disrespectful to me just because I said something on the air that you don't like. If you have a problem with something that I said on the air that you don't like, come talk to me like a man. Don't come talk to me like a bully. Anytime anyone said anything about him that he didn't like, he became a bully. You can yep. ask any member yeah. of the Sacramento media, anyone. And if they yeah. tell you otherwise, they're lying. Okay. If they tell you that he wasn't disrespectful to the media, then they're lying and they're covering up for him. Every single member of the Sacramento media has stories that have been untold of him being completely disrespectful and being a bully to the media. Everyone saw it. Everybody knew it. I didn't put up with that shit. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, that video when he went after the, in the locker room, that kind of speaks volume, but I'll just say this, man, you know, as you know, if you just listened to one person one time, whether it was you or somebody else, you're right. He could have been in the top 75 great players, even if, but you know what? No, you see, you you said it wrong there. You said it wrong there. He did listen. He wasn't able to handle his emotions in a positive way. He wasn't able to handle his, 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 DNA makeup or whatever the hell you want to call it. He was right. not capable of listening and saying, you know what? I need to change. And even when he tried to change, he wasn't okay. capable of it. It wasn't that he wasn't listening. He did listen. And a lot of people talked to him and a lot of people tried to help him, but he, he did not have the, I don't even know what the adjective is. I don't know what it is in your body. He didn't have yeah. the, I don't even want to say mental capacity because that makes him sound stupid. I don't even want to go there. He didn't have the makeup in his body to deal with adversity without it derailing him. He got derailed too many times, whether it was from an official, whether it was from a fan yelling at something at him, whether it was a coach being strict, whether it was a broadcaster being critical. I mean, how many times have we gone over the Sean Elliott story? Can you imagine a professional athlete going, going into the locker room after the game? See, now think about this. This was only a couple of minutes after the game. What's DeMarcus yeah. do when he gets into the locker room? Is he looking at the box score? Is he listening to the coach? Is he getting ready to take a shower and talk to the media? Nope. He's getting right on his phone. You know why? He wants to see what everybody's saying. That's what he's doing. And then he's finding out that Sean Elliott said something negative about him. And so what does he do? Instead of just saying, who cares? He's a member of the media. He takes it personally. Okay. And he goes out of the locker room walks onto the court in his uniform and is standing behind Sean Elliott. And as soon as Sean gets off there, he confronts him, bullies him. And I told you, I've talked to Sean Elliott about this on Sean yeah. couldn't believe it. Sean said he's never experienced anything like that in his life. And again, he was suspended for it. 
So, yep. you know, there, there, you know what the word is? Filter. He didn't have a filter within his body to deal with this stuff. There was no filter. Everything got into him, bothered him, and he didn't have the, the makeup to filter stuff that, okay, forget about it. This isn't important. That's not important. That's not important. He could have gone down, and I really mean this. He could have gone down as one of the best players yep. of his entire generation. He could have been Absolutely. one of the best players of his generation, but he was his own worst enemy. And there's a reason why he didn't play one game in the NBA this year. Okay. Because after what happened last year in Denver, everyone was like, gee, if Michael Malone doesn't want him back, why would anybody want him back? That's why he never got a call to play in the NBA this year. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's never been about his skill. Cause I think even still to this day, if you take the other part out, he can still probably help a team. Maybe if it's off the bench. Right. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, whatever. I'm just throwing that out there. Right. But you know, you're right. And number 15 would have been hanging in the rafters today, maybe. Or, yes. You know, not only would it, not only it would have been hanging in the rafters, he would have gone down as the greatest player in the history of the franchise. Yep, absolutely. Because he really was that skillful. Uh, you know, and, 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 and you know, and, and, the, and the idiots and the idiots and I'm going to call them idiots, the idiots in the arena and in, in the in the arena, excuse me, the idiots in the media that have brought up the Kings retiring his jersey should yeah, be fired from their jobs. They should. Yeah. They shouldn't even have a job because it's an it's an embarrassment. There are actually some members of the media in Sacramento that have asked if they should have his jersey retired. Could you imagine how awful that would be? Yeah, yeah. I mean, not a single playoff berth, and yeah, I'm sorry. Come you on, know, there's got to be some. Come yeah, on. it's it's just. Come on. You know, Grant. In general, you know, this story that you tell me. Yeah, he was. It's just a sad story for somebody to have. Yeah, it is. in front of him and just it could not make one change in his body just to filter forget you know the best way to shut up people is just play well and there were some nights yes. man he played out of and if he just kept focused there we yep. would have been in the playoffs and yeah it's 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 yep. uh, but let me ask i just want to say one last and because i'm not knowledgeable i i must think that there's in the nba there's some sort of a program for you know people you know that have issues like this right like you no, know, no, no. no 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 there, there's no, okay. no 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 there is no program there there is there is no program you know what it's called Vagas? it's called yeah. life some people get it, yeah, get it some people don't some people go out and walk into schools and shoot kids okay yeah, you can't change right. that some people yeah. drive 153 miles an hour on a street of las vegas and crash into an individual yeah. and kill them all right you can't no you can't there you know what it's called it's called being an adult and it's a call. It's called either you yeah, get it right. or you don't get it. Okay. You, you There aren't babysitters in life. You know, you don't, you don't get into professional sports and then expect to have babysitters around you. Okay. At some point you have to take ownership of who you are and what you want your life to be. It's not somebody else's fault. It's not this person's fault. It's not, well, gee, I grew up poor. Oh, I grew up rich and spoiled. No, at some point you become an adult and you either get it or you don't get it. Now, there are some people that it takes a little bit longer in life, okay? Right, but right. but at some point, you got to stop saying, well, gee, is there a program for this? Is there a yeah. program for that? No, no, no. You're a professional basketball player in the National Basketball Association. You don't need people to hold your hand, okay? You might when you're 18 or 19 or 20 or right, 21. Right. But when you become 25 and 26 and 27, you're not a kid anymore. You're a freaking adult. Either yep. – be able to be a professional 
or you can't be a professional. You know, it's not like, well, gee, are there programs for this? Are there programs for that? No, that has nothing to do with it. That has nothing to yeah. do with it. You know what those are, Waggus? Those are lame excuses to deflect what really the problem is. The problem yeah. is all people are different. All people have the demons in their body yep. that they can't control. And DeMarcus's demon in his body is that he could not handle any criticism at all. You hear what Charles Barkley said about Kevin Durant on 60 Minutes? Yeah, yeah, I heard. Okay. Yep, same thing. All right, so, so now think about this. Kevin Durant, right after the interview, attacked Charles Barkley on Twitter. <laughs> Kevin Durant is, is, is almost in the same category as DeMarcus except for this. Here's the difference. Yep. Kevin Durant will go on social media and show everyone how sensitive he is as an athlete. Okay. Okay. But okay. here's the big difference. Kevin Durant is not disrespectful to the officials. He's yes. not disrespectful to the coaches that he plays for. And yes. he's not disrespectful to the to his to his teammates. Okay. But he, he is to the as fans. much as yeah, but sometimes. Yeah. But as yes, much yeah. as Kevin Durant is overly sensitive and a baby, it doesn't affect him on the floor. DeMarcus allowed these things at times to affect him on the floor. So everyone's different. Everyone has, you know, everyone is, um, is different. And, you know, like, again, I hate to bring this up, but I'm going to, we talk about emotions, right? We talk about yes. not being able, it's called anger management, right? Yes. Anger management. There's the video of the phone call that TMZ yeah. put out of DeMarcus threatening to put a bullet in the head of his baby mama. Okay. Yeah. What that was is him not being able to control his temper. He had a inability. He was not able to control his anger. That's his, if you ask me what is his biggest flaw in life, his biggest flaw in life is that he was not able to manage his temper and he had a temper. And when he, yeah. his, he went from, he went from being docile, fun, loving, great conversational. And within 30 seconds, something would send him off like Sean Elliott. And he was not able to process and deal with his anger. That was his biggest fault. And to this day is his biggest fault as a human. And it's sad because he's probably, and I, 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 I said this on the air. I said this right. on TV. I said this on my radio show. I believe that of all the players that I personally saw in Sacramento, he was the most talented player I've ever seen. And yeah. got, you know what he got out of his and you know what he got out of his career? Nothing. Yeah, it just yeah, it's yeah, he's not even gonna be a Hall of Fame. I mean, I don't know. Um no, come on. probably not gonna yeah, I'm just yeah, and, and and you know it's funny what you said just really because you're right, even when you're a professional athlete or when you have a regular life like us. We all have stuff that we deal with and we all have emotions, right? Whether it's dealing with our boss, dealing with a coworker, but we control them. Right. So, you yep. know, and I was watching uh, over the weekend, I was watching the Aaron Hernandez documentary, which is probably one of the saddest stories ever yes. like, for a person yes. that has Tom Brady throwing him a football at the age of 23 and making whatever yep. $40 million yep. contract for him to do what yep. he did. At the end of the day, you can say anything because because they brought up a lot of stuff his buddy's past. But I'm like, okay, he left that all behind. He, he was an NFL player. He could have easily just not decided to go back and hang out with those people. But he but he chose to still do that, and that's why he put himself in that position. So look at John Morant. I mean, you know, thank goodness that John Morant didn't 
thank goodness John Morant didn't throw away his career. Now he still may, you know, we'll, we'll yeah. find out, but you know, again, you can't, you know, there comes a point you where, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, at some point you're either, you either can handle it or you can't. I used to say the same thing about Naomi Osaka, right? The great tennis player. Oh yeah. Okay. If yes. she can't handle, all right, here's the deal. You know, you, she may have, she may have a issue that she can't handle. Okay. That's fine. Let's say she does. It doesn't change the dynamic of what she does. If she is not able to handle fans being critical of her while she's playing, then don't play. I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. Fine. It's, you know, it's not like you can, you're not, you're not going to get, you know, 18,000 people at the U S open in New York to shut up. Okay. It's not going to happen. If that's something that you as a human being cannot handle, then find something else to do. And that's okay. You know, but like yeah. people that are crying over her or other athletes that can't handle it. Well, you know what? You know, it's like I, I, I've been talking about, I've been watching the Netflix Formula One and I've never watched a full Formula One race, but that's a perfect example. That's the greatest drivers in the world. There's only 20 of them. There's yeah. only 10 teams with two cars. And you know what I've learned through that is the, the difference between the greatest drivers in the world and the drivers that were in Formula One for a short period of time they can't handle the pressure. They can't deal with it mentally. It's very apparent watching this F1 series that it comes down to the drivers that can handle everything are the successful ones. And the ones that can't handle the immense pressure of being a Formula One driver, they're not in F1 very long. And so we're all different. You know, some people have no, why do you think the Robert Ories of the world exist? That why do you yep. think Mike Bibby exists? Mike Bibby yep. thrived on pressure. There are other guys that would wet their pants and didn't want the yep. ball at the end of the game. You know, Kobe why Bryant. is that? Well, because we're all different, Waggus. We're all made up. We're all different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, I'll, I'll say this. Would you say in your lifetime, it's lasting, uh, in your life, uh, in my, I've seen Tim Duncan, the way he handled himself, being a superstar in this league. He, he was probably one of the most, you know, quietest superstars I've ever witnessed. Would you say, or? Well, I'll give you, I'll give you a great example because I'm a New York fan. Okay. I'm right. going to give you two athletes. Derek okay. Jeter, All okay? Right. Think about the yeah. spotlight that Derek Jeter was on, the captain yeah. of the Yankees and a shortstop, okay? okay? Did you ever hear one bad thing in his entire career, one negative thing? Was there ever anything, you know, Derek Jeter went into Boston in his last game and got a standing ovation, yep, okay? That's the Red Sox fans gave him a standing ovation. That yeah. tells you all you need to know. And then yeah. Eli Manning. Eli yeah. was the quarterback of the New York Giants, won two Super Bowls, was in the biggest fishbowl, in America, okay, yep. and you never heard one bad thing about the guy, nothing. So there are certain people that deal with it and handle it. Tim Duncan is another great example who yep. is one of the great superstars of the game and no issues. So some people deal with it. Some people don't. We're all different, Waggus, you know, and with yeah. that, I'm going to move on and get to some all other right, calls, but I you. appreciate you. It's been great. Yep. yep. Take care. Bye-bye. This show is sponsored by Better Help. Stress. We all have it to a degree, big, small, but I think you can agree we all carry around different stressors. Most of you know what I've gone through the last four years, complete career change, moving across the country, filing a lawsuit, being in the news often, dealing with all of that, trust me, has not been easy. And if you keep things bottled up, it can really have a negative impact on your life. Therapy is a safe space. You get things off your chest. You can figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills. You can set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. And you know what, folks? It's not just for those who have experienced major trauma. Hey, if you're 
thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's online. It's easy, convenient, flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Grant today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Grant. All right, let's get to Jerry right here on Listen Up. Hey, Jerry, how are you today? I'm fine, Grant. How are you, sir? I'm good, buddy. Good to hear from you. Hey Grant, I'm sorry I uh, uh, I got on late, but I was kind of busy. Uh, but you know, luckily, I can talk to you. You know, Grant. Usually, I don't disagree with you, Grant. Uh, but when you're saying that KHDK tells you uh, do this and uh, just make sure you you know you have some kind of people that you talk to, and there's an argument that this and that. You know, Grant, if you didn't think that it was right doing that, why did you do it? No, no, no. I think you may be misunderstood. Occasionally they would have meetings where your person that was overseeing the radio station had no understanding of sports radio. They weren't even in sports. They were in music. And after speaking to consultants, they felt like they wanted to reinvent the wheel. And so they would say, you know, we think you take too many calls. Or, and I would say, well, I, I, and, I, and I knew I was speaking with a person that had no sports background, really. I was speaking with a person right. that couldn't even have told you all the teams in the league or nothing. And I would sit there and I'd go, listen, and I would, this is exactly how I would go. I'd go, hey, no disrespect to you. I know you, this is exactly how I would speak to them. Right. I would say, hey, I don't mean to be disrespectful to you. I know you're just doing your job, but I know you don't know anything about sports radio. Okay. And so I understand you're just doing your job and I, I, I don't want to be disrespectful to you, but I've been doing this for decades. I said, my show works. The station makes the most money for my show than any other day part. I'm not going to change how I do my show. So I would, and then I would say to the person, if you want to continue this conversation, I'm happy to, but just let you, I'm just letting you know, I'm not changing how I do my show. And the conversation went in, they go, hey, Grant, you know what? I understand. I appreciate that. Thank you. But I'm just letting you know, these are some of the things that we would like you to do. And I said, I get that, but I'm not going to. So, you know, end the conversation. So I wasn't disrespectful when I talked right. to them. And it wasn't like they would make me know. I would just say, hey, I'm not changing the way I do my show. And but I, I was never disrespectful to them when I talked to them. I would actually say, hey, I don't want to be disrespectful. I understand you're just doing your job. But and then I would lay it out there. Grant, let me ask you this. Did you ever have to bite your tongue when you're talking to those people from that from that radio station that you want to say no. more, but you didn't? No, no, no. I always, no, 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 no. I always talked to them how I felt. I always spoke to them. Uh, I never hid anything back. I never bit my tongue. If something was bothering me, I would tell them. And I have some very interesting stories that are going to come out in my book about conversations I had with upper management at that station. And it will blow your freaking mind what I did to help people at that station. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. And Grant, when you would do your show with Mike Lamb, and uh, you know what, you probably remember this episode too, Grant, when uh, you told Mike Lamb that, you know, am I going to have a show today? You know what, let's, in fact, let's not even take any more calls. Do you remember that show, Grant? Are we even going to have a show today? What do you mean by that? Uh, when you were tell Mike Lamb that uh, uh, the callers were calling in, I think that was the time when, uh, when 
uh, when Musselman was uh, arrested for a DUI and people kept calling. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. I do remember that. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. So was that anything from KHDK to tell you don't even take calls about that or? KHDK never, ever told me how to do a show on content. Not one time, not once in 26 years did anyone ever tell me before the show started what I could say and what I couldn't say. Not one time. Never. Not, Not even once. Nobody ever ever uh talk to me not even after the protest outside the arena after the stefan clark shooting nobody from the station told me how to handle that so no they never told me anything about content not once not one time was i ever uh had a discussion before the show about how we were going to handle something the only time that i gave advice was when i was working with doug and it was after the stefan clark shooting and i said doug i said you are my partner and I'm going to allow you as your partner, you can, you, this is half your show. You can handle this however you want. I'm not going to tell you what to say and what not to say. I'm going to give you a little advice though. This is a situation that is going to be beyond volatile. If you try to talk about it on the radio. Okay. This is a situation that is ongoing. And I'm just going to say, If you want to take phone calls on this and talk about it, I'm going to allow you to talk about it. I said, but I am not going to discuss this after my opening segment where I talk about what it was like being in the arena and not having any fans in there because of the protests that are going on. I'm going to talk about what that was like leading up to the game. I'm going to talk about the experience of the arena, but I'm not going to talk about the shooting of Stephon Clark. I'm not doing it. I said, if you want to do it, I'm going to give you carte blanche. But then I said, my recommendation to you is don't go there. Grant, let me ask you one more thing, Grant. And this might kind of irk you, but you know what? Um, I've been known uh, just to uh, just say what I have to say. I'm going to ask you this, Grant. Did you have a problem with KHGK? Um, You want to say things about that station when you were still on the air? No. No, KHGK was very KHGK was very good to me. Uh, They treated me very well. I love working there and no, not, not at all. I had no issues with KHDK when I was there. I got along uh, phenomenally well with the general manager, both general managers during my tenure there. Uh, to this day, I consider them both friends. I have a lot of respect for them. They have a lot of respect for me. I had not a good relationship. I had a great, with a capital G relationship with both of my general managers at the station and no, I have nothing bad to say about them. I had nothing bad to say when I was there at Cage to Cape. I loved working there. I had no issues working there. I enjoyed going to work every day. I enjoyed doing my show every day. And no, not at all. Okay, well, Grant, let me ask you this then. In, in a different way, did you have a problem with Bonneville International at that time? I didn't have a problem with Bonneville International until they fired me for saying all lives matter every single one. No, Bonneville okay. International... Did, did, I had no issues with Bonneville International uh, until they recklessly fired me. Okay, so then let me ask you this then. So when when they did fire you, Grant, okay, and you come out and saying that, look at their board of board of directors, all right? Yep. All, all Caucasian, all right? So now there's a problem now with that station, all right? It wasn't before, so there is now. So what has changed? I'm not, I'm not, doing anything other than presenting facts and the truth. Okay. 
they fired me for saying all lives matter, every single one, and used me as a sacrificial lamb to tell black lives matter. Oh, look, we fired a guy that said all lives matter. Okay, like they're trying to be on their high horse, that there's some great company that deals with, you know, uh, inclusion and, uh, you know, we stand for Black Lives Matter. And yet they don't have one person of color on their entire board. They don't have one minority. They don't have one Asian. They don't have one Hispanic. And it's 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 uh, it's disturbing to me. It's a hypocrisy. It's a double standard. They're firing me because they think that what I said was anti-Black Lives Matter. What I said had nothing to do with Black Lives Matter. What I said was based on how I was raised, based on my religion, and the fact that all lives do matter. Who doesn't believe that all lives matter? I mean, right. Black lives can't matter if all lives don't matter. I mean, you know, all lives can't matter if Black lives don't matter. So obviously, Black lives matter. Asian lives matter. You know, all lives matter. Every single one. You know, if if Asian lives didn't matter, well, then the 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 all lives matter couldn't be true because all lives matter encompasses all lives. So they fired me. They used me as a sacrificial lamb to show black lives matter. Oh, don't come at us. Oh, we support you. Oh, we're all about black lives matter. See, we just fired a guy that said all lives matter. It's a disgrace. It's a, it's a, it's just, a, it's a hypocrisy. All right, Grant. Well, then one more thing, Grant. So it, it wasn't a problem when you were still hired from the company, but it, it's a problem now since you're not there anymore. Jerry, I didn't have a problem with anybody at the radio station until I was fired wrongfully for saying something that should not have been a fireable offense. I was fired for saying all lives matter, every single one. Okay. That why would point. I, why, why, why I can't, I can't have an opinion on something until something happens. Correct. Uh, that is correct. Yes. Uh, but if, well, all right, Grant. Well, yeah. Uh, um, uh, Jerry, how could I have an opinion on something before something happens? Like I can't, I don't, I didn't have a crystal ball. I can't predict the future. Okay. Why would a company fire an employee for saying all lives matter, every single one? Like how would I even in a million years think that a company would fire an employee because they put on social media, all lives matter, every single one. Like I couldn't have come up with that in, 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 in a million years. So how, how would I have an opinion on that? There's no way. Well, Grant, that point, I do understand, Grant, what you're saying, Grant. But what I'm saying is, you know what? Uh, obviously, you knew before you were even terminated that, hey, the whole board is Caucasian. All right. There's not one minority on there. Jerry, so we used to talk about that. We used to talk about that behind the scenes all the time. OK, with employees, we were very well aware of their. Uh, alarming, disproportionate hiring practices. We all talked about it. We all knew about it. OK, you'll hear more about that in the court of law. OK, you know, Grant, and I can't wait for your book to come out, Grant. You know what? Uh, uh, you know what? That's why I love calling your show, because, you know, you are completely honest and I appreciate that. Thanks for taking my call, Grant. And just so you know, my, just so you know, my show, okay, was the one show on the station where that didn't exist because my producer was African-American and my co-host was Doug. Okay. Right. My producer, who I worked with every day, was African-American, helped me when I needed help with the Jim Rome show and produced my show as well. Okay. And by the way, I approved 
both of those individuals to work with me. And if I had said no, neither of them would have been with me in the studio. Okay. I signed off on it and said, yes, I want this person. Yes. Perfect. 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 Okay. Neither of those individuals would have ever had a job at that station without me endorsing it and saying, yes, absolutely. So keep that in mind as well. And Grant, that's why, you know, Grant, I've been calling your show for 32 plus years, Grant. All right. Because, you know, you always say like it is, you know what? And I know you have a big heart, but you know what? Me as a fan, Grant, of you, right? You know what? You know what? If, hey, you know, you can take tough calls, you can take easy calls, but I call you, you know, I'm going to give you my input. And you know what? Just the way you are, you're honest. And I appreciate that. I appreciate you, Jerry. You have a good one. Take care. Good stuff. Good show today. Wow. That's an hour already. Man, time flies. Wow. I can't believe it's already six o'clock. You all are awesome. Tomorrow, open forum Wednesday. Although this is open forum Tuesday. <laughs> it's good stuff. Uh, Jerry Reynolds, tomorrow on YouTube at three o'clock. Kings, Blazers, busy day. Take care, everybody, and thanks very much. Bye bye now.